Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Why Is That Podcast. Thank you for joining us again for the Why Is That Podcast. This week we'll be talking about St. Patrick's Day. Today we'll answer why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, why we celebrate on March 17th, why we have these specific celebratory rituals, and a little bit about the man himself. I'm very excited to snake our way through today's episode. You don't know it yet, but that was really funny. As the name of the holiday might give away, St. Patrick is a canonized saint of the Catholic Church, and more specifically, the patron saint of Ireland. He lived during the 5th century CE. There are no real accepted dates for his birth, It is generally believed that he arrived in Ireland somewhere in the 430s, and the most accepted date of death is March 17th, either 461 or 493. This is why we celebrate his feast day, St. Patrick's Day, each year on March 17th. It's his death day. Unfortunately, most of the details of his life are unknown, and even the pieces that we do know are mostly legends that cannot be verified. We have two primary sources that were written by St. Patrick himself during his lifetime. The first is a letter that does not really provide us with details of his life, but the second is his memoir. It is called Declaration in English, but in Latin is called Confessio. The Royal Irish Academy has published the complete text of the Confessio online at confession.ie. Quite an interesting read if you like these types of primary sources. We will begin our discussion by quoting the opening passage. My name is Patrick. I am a sinner, a simple country person, and the least of all believers. I am looked down upon by many. My father was Calpurnius. Patrick actually wrote the memoir in Latin, and he referred to himself as Patricus. That name has become Patrick in English and Padrig in modern Irish. That is spelled P-A-D-R-A-I-G. That brings us to our first point. St. Patrick's Day is often abbreviated to St. Patty's Day. If you are spelling out St. Patty's Day, make sure you spell it P-A-D-D as in Delta Y, as that is the correct Irish way of shorting his name. If you spell it P-A-T-T as in Tango Y, then you're actually referring to a hamburger patty or the diminutive of the name Patricia. In short, P-A-D-D, as in Delta, Y, is masculine. P-A-T-T, as in Tango, Y, is feminine. And trust me, there is no surer way to make an Irish man or an Irish woman upset than to refer to St. Patrick as a lady. After recounting details about his father, who was a deacon, and his grandfather, who was a priest, Patrick details his first visit to Ireland. Patrick was born in Roman Britain, and around the age of 16, he was taken prisoner and taken into captivity in Ireland. At that age, Patrick states he had strayed from the path of God and, like thousands of other captives, deserved to be subjected to the hard labor under his captors due to the fact that he had not kept God's commandments. It is during this captivity that Patrick credits the Lord as opening his awareness to his lack of faith, and in his trials and tribulations, he found God. Eventually, the Lord protected Patrick and delivered him from his captivity back to Britain. It was in Ireland that Patrick truly accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Upon his return to Britain, he dedicated his life to bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations. Now, several Irish historians debate the veracity of the captivity and state that Patrick may have been using the story of his capture as a parable and a lesson rather than literal fact. 
However, directly after recounting the story of his captivity, Patrick states the following, I am not ignoring the evidence of my Lord, who testifies in the psalm, you destroy those who speak lies. And again, he says, a mouth which lies kills the soul. It certainly sounds like he was trying to tell the truth, based on that assertion. After Patrick returned to Roman Britain, he fully dedicated himself to the worship and teachings of Jesus Christ. Eventually, he was assigned to Ireland to bring the Christian faith to an island that to that point was filled with pagans. Throughout the remainder of his life, he lived in Ireland in service to the church. He reportedly baptized thousands and greatly endeared himself to the people of Ireland by always going above and beyond in his teachings while asking for nothing in return. We do not have much in the way of verifiable sources for the remainder of his life or the specific deeds, but we do have many legends about the man who would become the patron saint of Ireland. The veracity of these legends varies based on the legend. It is in these legends that we gain most of our traditions that we use to celebrate his feast day. The first and probably most well-known legend is that St. Patrick banished all the snakes from Ireland. The story goes that Patrick was attacked by snakes during a 40-day fast and he responded by banishing all snakes from Ireland with his staff. While it is true that Ireland has a peculiar absence of snakes on the island, evidence suggests that Ireland never actually had any snakes. It seems that this legend grew as an explanation for the absence of snakes and because in Exodus when Moses and Aaron are fighting the Pharaoh's sorcerers, Moses and Aaron's staffs turn into snakes and they consume the snakes attacking them. An alternate explanation is that this legend is a metaphor for the conversion of Irish pagans into Christians. This metaphor works because many pagans use the symbol of the snake and after they converted to Christianity they exchanged the snake symbolism for that of the cross. So St. Patrick certainly did not banish any physical stakes, but he did help banish those pesky pagans. Whether or not this legend is a metaphor for the pagans, or just a fun story, I do not see any harm in repeating it for time of memorial. The next legend explains why the shamrock is used in celebration of St. Patrick's Day. The story goes that Patrick used the three-leaf clover as a way to teach the doctrines of the Holy Trinity to the people of Ireland. If you are unfamiliar with the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, it is the belief that there is one God in three divine persons. Three divine persons being the Father, commonly referred to as God, the Son, commonly referred to as Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The three of them are distinct and yet one. Patrick used the three-leaf clover to teach this sometimes difficult to understand church principle to people new to the faith. He would explain that God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit were all one of the leaves of the clover in their own right, and yet were still joined together as one shamrock. Some people are visual learners, and I can certainly see how this would be most helpful to illustrate his point. In most images of St. Patrick, he is depicted with a cross staff in one hand and a shamrock in the other. This is how the shamrock came to be the most important icon of St. Patrick's Day. So, the next time you see someone with a four-leaf clover celebrating St. Patrick's Day, make sure to tell them that they are wrong. The four-leaf clover may be the lucky clover, but is not the clover of St. Patrick. Some legends state that St. Patrick built as many as 300 Christian churches and baptized over 100,000 Irish people in his lifetime. He is generally credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland and converting the island to the Catholic Church. According to the 2016 census, 78% of the population of the Republic of Ireland identified as Roman Catholic, and a Georgetown University study showed that Ireland as a whole had one of the highest rates of regular mass attendance in the Western world. This number does a lot to explain why Patrick holds such an important place in Irish culture, having been the reason why so many Irish people found their religion. The percentage of Roman Catholic church members has declined over the past century, 
but the reverence for St. Patrick has never waned. While St. Patrick's Day is a celebrated feast day in much of the Western world, it is an official public and bank holiday in Ireland. Beyond the official legends of St. Patrick, the holiday is generally recognized as a celebration of Irish heritage, especially in parts of the world with a large number of people with Irish descent, such as the United States, Canada, and Australia. The Irish heritage piece is often the more important aspect of St. Patrick's Day. That is where any mention of leprechauns comes from, where the association with the color green originates, and obviously why you get kissed if you are Irish. The green association with Ireland, though, does not come from the fact that Ireland is the Emerald Island. The color green became a patriotic Irish color during the Great Irish Rebellion of 1641. Irish military commander Owen Rowe O'Neill used a green flag with a harp as his battle flag. O'Neill chose the color green to contrast with the blue of the British flag at the time. Even though O'Neill would be brutally defeated by Oliver Cromwell, the color choice became a symbol of Irish patriotism. Today the color is instantly recognizable as the color of Irish pride. Parades and other Irish cultural festivals are popular ways to celebrate the holiday. The city of Chicago, Illinois, for example, famously dyes their river green, a tradition that they started in 1961. If you live in Chicago, or have ever visited during the holiday and you like the fact that they turn the river green, then you can thank your local plumber, as it is the Chicago Journeyman Plumbers Union who has carried out that tradition every year. The other thing that everyone knows about St. Patrick's Day is that it is a day for drinking. The famed Irish beer brand, Guinness, has an average of 5.5 million pints consumed on a regular day. But on St. Patrick's Day, they typically see around 13 million pints consumed. In the United States, St. Patrick's Day sits as the fourth biggest drinking day of the year, behind only New Year's Day, Christmas Day, and the 4th of July, which is pretty impressive as, according to WalletHub, only 56.1% of Americans actually celebrate the holiday. However, not all the drinkers choose to imbibe it responsibly. In 2015, 30 people were killed in drunk driving crashes, and 75% of the time those drivers are two times the legal limit. So if you are going to partake in that part of the tradition, please do so responsibly. So you might ask yourself, how did drinking become such an important aspect of a holiday that was originally a religious observance? It is actually that religious piece, not any sort of Irish stereotype, that has turned St. Patrick's Day into such a large drinking day. In the Christian tradition, saints' days are categorized a few different ways based on how important they are to the local congregation. In Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is classified as a major feast day by the Catholic Church. For the major feast days, a Christian is able to set aside their Lenten restriction on food and alcohol for the day. Lent, if you are unfamiliar, is a period of 40 days in which Christians abstain from certain behaviors and fast from certain foods and beverages. Lent is done in commemoration of Jesus' 40 days of fasting in the desert. It shows one's piety and commitment to one's faith. One of the things that are typically abstained from is drinking alcohol. However, the Catholic Church grants a dispensation, or exemption from the rule, of the fast on a solemnity feast day. In the Irish realm, St. Patrick's Day is one of those solemnity feast days. Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, which in 2018 was February 14th, and ends 40 days later on Good Friday, which this year is March 29th. Every year, St. Patrick's Day falls on March 17th which is directly inside that Lenten season. As far as I've been able to find, St. Patrick's Day is the only major feast day in Ireland that falls inside the season of Lent. Therefore, it is the only day that a strict Irish Catholic individual would be able to drink for 40 days.
As such, the celebration took on a special ability as a day to break away from the strict abstention and enjoy the company with a beer, or 12. So there you have it. That explains who St. Patrick was, why he is important, and where the various St. Patrick's Day traditions started. I hope you enjoyed the explanation, and if I missed anything about the man or the holiday that you'd like to know, please let me know. I primarily used online sources for my information for this episode, confessio.ie for the quotes from St. Patrick's writings, officeholidays.com and Forbes for various details and facts about the holiday, and catholic.org for some information about St. Patrick, saints, and feast days. Also, as I mentioned during the episode, Wallet Hub for various statistics. That does it for our episode on St. Patrick's Day. Thank you for tuning in to the Why Is That podcast. We will be back in two weeks with an episode about why Istanbul is not Constantinople. So please make sure to subscribe using your preferred method of consuming this podcast, whether that be with the visual medium on YouTube or the audio medium on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Play, or any other various podcast applications. If you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to comment on the episode, send me an email at whyisthatpod at gmail.com, or tweet me at whyisthatpod, or you can find me in person and tell me. Though if you're going to use that last method, you know, please be nice about it. Finally, if you are on Facebook, be sure to join the group so that you can join in the conversation. Thank you all for listening, and have a great couple weeks. And of course, have a very happy St. Patrick's Day this coming Saturday. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Why Is That podcast. I'm your host, Travis, and we are signing off.